0: Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable.
1: My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country
0: on the planet chasing bear.
1: Thank you for checking out the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. On this episode, we're talking about using mules to access the backcountry. My 13-year-old son and my 16-year-old good friend's son are on the three-day Christmas whitetail hunt, hunting in Arkansas. Bears live in wild places, and it's an adventure to get to them. Bears are iconic of North American wilderness, and part of the adventure of hunting them is getting into wild places. I use a mule, and have chosen to use a mule to access wild places, to get deeper, and to stay longer. and That is something just in the last few years that I have taken on as a challenge and I have significantly enjoyed it. I have not enjoyed it because I necessarily think it's the best strategy for taking game back there. I haven't enjoyed it because it's the easiest. It's actually quite difficult and has complexified my, my hunting. It has put this whole other sector on my hunting that I truly enjoy. In my hunting, I am fine-tuning the narrative of how I enjoy hunting and how I want to hunt in unique ways. Hunting with a mule is not necessarily the most efficient way or the only way to access backcountry, but it's the way that I have chosen to do it. If my only goal was to get antlers and meat, I would probably take the money and energy that I've invested in these mules and buy a lease in Kansas and go up there for a you know a week and have a chance at a really nice buck. I have not chosen to do that. I have chosen to drive into probably some of the most difficult whitetail hunting that there is in low density areas, rugged rough mountains, in places where you just don't see many deer. And that's I say that because I live in northwest Arkansas. I could drive two and a half to three hours and be in some of the best whitetail hunting in the country and i've never done it i choose to limit myself and i i deer hunt down there quite a bit and that fits the narrative in the way that i want to and choose to limit myself in hunting and i, I do not regret that decision this whitetail hunt is also directly connected to my public land bear hunting i want to make that clear because this is the bear hunting magazine podcast we we talk about strategies for hunting bear and how to get people involved in bear hunting and well this whitetail hunt takes place in a region of Arkansas that I bear hunt. And so intimately knowing the land is critical for public land bear hunting where we cannot use bait or hounds, but we're just hunting these bears basically like deer. And so on this hunt, even though we're hunting whitetails, bear season's long over. I am storing up information about the region for where and how I plan to bear hunt next year. Lastly, before we get into the episode, I think appreciating diversity in hunting is critical for the future of our hunting. When I say diversity of hunting, what I mean is uh, you'll see you'll see videos and hear podcasts of me talking about hunting bear over bait, and I love it. I'm passionate about hunting bear over bait. I think it's a challenge. I think it's a a, a beautiful bear management tool to be selective. I think it is extremely difficult to kill an older mature male over bait no matter where you're hunting. I love it. If you pigeonholed me into thinking that that's all that I appreciated, you would be mistaken. I also love bear hunting with hounds. I think bear hunting with hounds is one of the most underrated, underappreciated, most misunderstood methods of legal hunting in today's world. Thirdly, I love spot and stalk bear hunting. I love spot and stalk bear hunting in the west. I love spot and stalk bear hunting in the east. And my favorite way to hunt bear right here in my home state of Arkansas is to just go out in the mountains and just hunt them like deer. And I value and appreciate all those different types of hunting. And I think that sometimes people are so focused on the method that they prefer that they think that that is the moral high ground or the elite way to hunt, and they look negatively, speak negatively, and look down upon other methods of hunting. That, my friends, is detrimental to the whole of the hunting community. We have to, in 2019, be people that are supportive of all legal methods of hunting because the anti-hunting community is after hunting through incrementalism. Every single thing that they take from us, we have nothing left to give them. Every single thing that they take from us at this point is a win that is going to contribute to more wins. And so, yeah, it may be bear hunting with hounds today, but in five years, 10 years, whatever years, it's gonna be bow hunting. And after that, it's gonna be this. And after that, it's gonna be that. We live in a critical time, and unification is the only way forward. And I stand and speak on behalf of those who are at the bottom of the barrel. Bear hunting is the target of the anti-hunting community. And we are rallying all of our brothers inside the hunting community to just stand for it. And by stand for it, I mean join organizations that are defending bear hunting. Don't talk negatively, even in your own camps, even in your own families. Don't disparage people that hunt in different ways than you, but build them up and say, man. I, we don't hunt that way. But man, if it's legal and it's conservation-based, scientific-based, if it's adding mass to the North American model of wildlife conservation that is the most successful animal husbandry human effort on the history of the planet, the history of mankind, then we're for it. That's what we need to be saying to our kids. That's what we need to be saying to new hunters. And that's what that's, that's where we need to be. So, you'll enjoy this podcast about hunting in the backcountry. You'll hear a few of our stories, and then we'll talk about the specifics of how we're using this mule. I hate it when somebody has to make excuses for audio quality on a podcast, but you'll have to excuse some part of this podcast because of the wind. Just view it through the filter of, this is some real hunting authenticity. The wind howls sometimes. Welcome to the Bear Hunting Magazine Podcast. It is December 27th, is that right?
2: Two days after Christmas, yep.
1: Two days after Christmas. That's right. And I am here with my son, Bear Newcomb, and practically my other son, David spillmaker. (laughs) Practically. Bear's 13, David's 16. That's right. and, And we are on the right now in Arkansas there's a three-day rifle season they call it the Christmas hunt goes the 26th 27th and 28th and we are on a backcountry white-tailed deer hunt and before we get into the meat of the podcast, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about basically we're going to try to keep this podcast fairly short even though bear Newcomb is extremely long-winded um, We're going to we're going to talk about, accessing the back country using mules and we're going to talk about the way that that we do it and i'm gonna start off by saying that i don't profess that it's the best way and i don't profess to have a lifetime of experience doing this but and neither does david but <laughs> the did. way that i do it has worked for us and we're learning every single time and so we've we've packed back in here on uh well using my my mule that i've named izzy and so okay so let's start so that's what we're going to talk about we're going to we're going to talk about how to use a mule but before we do that i want to talk a little bit about exactly what we're doing and a little bit about this hunt so now we so we we packed back in we're in national forest here in arkansas we used a mule using a A riding saddle and a pannier, which a pannier is basically a bag that drapes over a riding saddle. So, in short, what we do is we use the pannier bags to pack all our gear, and then we get to where, and so we lead the mule in. So, we've only got one mule. There's three of us hunting, and there's one mule. Basically, the mule carried everything in for us, right, Bear?
2: Not my backpack.
1: Not your backpack. Not mine either. Not David's backpack. (laughs) So what we do is we we led the mule in here, so we did have to walk. But once we got here, we unloaded all our gear, and then we had a riding saddle underneath the pannier. And like today, you guys walked from camp to hunt, but I rode Izzy from camp way off and hunted pretty far away using the mule. The other part of this that would be that's valuable is that if we kill the deer back here. And now it's not bear season, but if it were bear season and we killed a bear, typically a limiting factor of being back in like this would be that if you kill the deer, and we're not terribly far back in, but if you kill the deer, you would have a hard time getting it out. So that's a limiting factor. But if you've got a mule that will carry game, and that's what I'm going to get into, kind of the specifics of some of the the things that people think about mules that maybe aren't necessarily true and so i'm going to state a statement and clarify it later if you have a mule that will haul game if then you could use the mule to haul out game and then we'd come back in and get our camp but uh no, so let's start off by saying bear we went on this exact same hunt and camped right here about a month ago is that right yep on your birthday
2: on my birthday i turned 13 up here
1: yeah you turned 13 on this mountain didn't you yeah i'll be darned i didn't even think about that on this trip and let me let me describe something too about the way that we're hunting or 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 the the time period we were back here on uh november 28th put out these trail cameras we saw some deer bear actually passed a legal buck back in here and uh all the activity on the trail cameras was the first week of December which I've decided is probably a good time to hunt the mountains of Arkansas the late November and the first week of December because uh, the big seven point was actually chasing a doe on our trail camera but I say all that to say that we're right in amongst some pretty good deer for public land yeah national forest and this is uh this is David's... David's hunted, grew up hunting with us some, but but you know, you've not hunted a ton with us. Yeah. But um, so this is your first. Well, it's not your first backcountry hunt because you killed a gobbler turkey up here. I did. How old were you when we did that? So it was two years ago. So 14. Yeah, we did. We did this exact same thing. Didn't yeah. We? Took exactly. Back the mule, and, except your dad came. Uh-huh. My dad came. There was about six or seven of us. That's right. Shep came. It didn't
3: go quite as smoothly with the mule that time. Wow, there's a lot of bags falling off and ripping and things like that happening. <laughs> that <laughs> so yeah, yeah. we've re sewed the bag. Um, <laughs> that's up here.
1: right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We were, uh, that was one of our earlier backcountry adventures on the mule. And I was intentionally trying to push the limits. I mean, we had that mule packed with so much stuff, it was unbelievable. It was crazy. So it really wasn't the mule's fault or the packing fault. We were just trying to put everybody's backpack on. Mm-hmm. We were trying to carry. Goods for seven guys for two days, and not just goods, but a lot of goods. Water, carrying everybody's backpack, the mule was carrying everybody's shotguns. I mean, it was quite the ordeal. Except but, we, so it was opening day of youth turkey season, and we got a ways back in here, camped out, mm-hmm. and opened the morning turkey season, we just walked up on top of the mountain and called in two gobblers.
3: We did, we called in two gobblers. We actually we weren't even sitting down and we just spotted two and then just hit the ground real fast loaded the gun and then shot shot this turkey coming by it was pretty awesome
1: yeah yeah we called them in they the wind was howling that morning so we felt really fortunate that we even got on a turkey okay so you guys walked out from camp bear you left camp what time this morning
2: uh like 7 15 7 i don't know
1: oh we got we still got to go backwards It rained last night. We got in here yesterday afternoon, hunted yesterday afternoon, very windy. Last night at like 7 p.m., it absolutely started to howl. The wind did, and it started to rain. It started raining at 7 p.m. and did not stop raining until probably 6.30 this morning. And I mean, it didn't just rain. How hard did it rain?
2: Well, we have this tarp up here, and it was just like banging, and you could hear like water dripping off of it. And it was like... Thunder and lightning. Yeah. I mean the... And the, this morning...
3: The, like, entire tent would just, like, flash all of a sudden. It was crazy. So much lightning.
1: It was a pretty intense night. <laughs> but we stayed dry. I think the only... Re- we're, we're staying in just kind of a average two-man tent. There's three of us in there. But it... Uh, but we we've got a tarp strategically placed with about 15 ties... Going to different trees, we've got our we've got our tent up. Or I mean, we've got a tarp over the tent, which helped some. I think that's the only reason we really stayed dry. Yeah. Okay, bear. So you we we David's alarm went off this morning at like five thirty, and I told him just to turn it off because the, the the rain was just pounding down at five thirty. We all went back to sleep, and then and I woke it. up and there was just a little bit of twilight out, and it had stopped raining. So you left the tent about seven fifteen.
2: 7:15. And what did you do? Well, I went down to the spot that I was hunting yesterday. And I was thinking maybe I should go lower this time because David was hunting pretty close to me. And so we would have been like a couple hundred yards apart. So I decided to go lower. And I found a nice little spot where I could see way out in front of me. And I could see the creek at the very bottom of the mountain. And yesterday, we hiked up this mountain, and by the time we got up here, me and David just threw off our bags and just, like, sat down because how tired we were. And I realized that I was at the very bottom, and I was going to have to do it again. Right. So I sat there for probably an hour, and then I heard some, like, leaves shuffling Mm -hmm. over to my far right. And I... I got. I pulled my gun up, and I slowly looked over there, and I saw the head of a turkey. Mm mm-hmm. mm. And it started coming down, and I realized that there are more turkeys with it. And then six turkeys came out in front of me, and they all kind of just went down the mountain. And one came and was kind of curious to see what I was, what I was, because you know they see in color, and he yeah. came really close, like ten yards. And then he went down, and I moved down a little bit. I moved down, like, probably, I don't know, 30 yards so I could see even further out. But there was also this little trail, an old logging road. And I saw another turkey. Then, here's when it got exciting (laughs) this
1: is the most exciting thing that happened to us on this hunt. A squirrel. Squirrel. Came up right behind me. Wow, that's exciting. (laughs) no so bear saw some turkeys and how long did you hunt bear all day i mean bear walked back to camp i saw him coming up the hill at uh about five o'clock maybe 5 15 and so he hunted from 7 15 to let's just say 5 15 so was that 10 hours yeah
2: yep.
1: and you didn't come back to camp I mean 13 year old boy walks out here and hunts for 10 hours and i know that he sat there for a long time and david basically did the same thing except you i told david to go hunt on this side of the ridge this morning come back to camp have lunch Uh go back to the other side of the ridge yeah and so i mean you were only in camp for an hour today
3: yeah less than that actually probably about 45 minutes altogether fortunately my day wasn't as eventful as bear's i I did see a bird, you know, and and I read a sign. It was pretty, pretty crazy, you know. That oh, wow. was crazy. as bear wasn't no squirrel, but you know. Yeah.
1: Wow, that's what's crazy about this backcountry hunting. And when we say backcountry, what we mean is just in Arkansas, we've got big blocks of national forest, which are pretty much um, continual, just big mature timber. Very little timber harvest the last. 20 years in Arkansas and the national forest there has been very little timber harvest and, and I mean this big woods it's beautiful and we like it it's good bear habitat but it's low densities of animals and so I was the only one today that even saw deer and I saw a deer while I was riding up the mountain on Izzy's back and she always sees game before I do I saw her poke her ears up and look and I knew she saw a deer And uh, immediately, I looked up, and probably 75, 80 yards away, I saw two white tails running up the hill. That probably wasn't 150 yards behind our camp. So
2: you stuck your gun in between her ears (laughs) and shot him.
1: I am gradually training her to shoot off of her back. I haven't done it yet, but I I think I think she'd do fine. Yeah, I I can shoot a bow off her back. I do know that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a great place to, to segue into using a mule to access this country so i just want to give a little bit of a background and i'm opening it up to these young men who both have been involved in a couple of backcountry mule hunts now um in arkansas we're not accessing backcountry that has 20 miles of you know open trail before you start hunting i mean we're really accessing comparative to the west relatively small Areas of, of wilderness or national forest. And so that one of the techniques that I learned from my my really good friend, James Lawrence, been on the podcast before, is packing in, using the mule to pack all your gear in, and then r- using the mule to ride out from your camp to go where you need to go, and using the mule to haul, haul back any game they have you kill. I want to give some background. I grew up like i had a good friend that had a lot of horses i spent quite a bit of time at his house and we rode and stuff but but my family didn't have equine animals so i would be just like any of you guys out there that aren't familiar with with mules or horses is is i didn't have a ton of experience with them um and for those of you who are experienced horsemen or mule people, then I'm probably going to say a lot of stuff that maybe you even disagree with, but that's okay. Or you you already know. But when i I had this image, guys, of a mule, and I've had it for years and years, and I think it started as a little boy seeing people in the community that I grew up in, all these old men, had mules. And mules are really kind of a icon of of southern culture and not even southern culture but they're an icon of American agricultural rural regions and I knew from growing up too um, in the Washtenaw mountains of Arkansas I knew guys that hunted on mules And, and I think my dad probably told me stories about those guys and even back in those days I thought it was cool what they did they were using mules to get back in And so about three or four years ago, I finally was in a position in life where I I had a place for a mule. And I just was like, man, I'm going to buy a mule. And I didn't know much at all about them. I figured it was going to be harder than what I thought. But I kind of had a naive, this naive idea that you just bought a good mule and it was like riding a four-wheeler. I mean, you just kind of got on it and went and you know you'd have to be a good rider and you'd have to you know take care of it and you'd have to learn how to load it and you'd have to learn about all the tack and all the gear and uh, some of which I already knew but I quickly found out that getting into mules and horses is a highly complex thing and I had to do a lot of learning quick because I, I don't want to discourage anybody from getting a mule, of course, for the reasons that I have. But I will tell you, you better have, you better be ready for difficulty, and you better be ready to learn to love it. And that's what I have, and that's the reason I'm talking about it. Is because I truly have learned to love mules now that I've messed with them and had some bad experiences with them too. But uh, Bear, what did you think when we first started getting mules? Uh, you were much. were you with me you didn't think much yes i was were you with me when we got that first mule out of lamar missouri yep yeah i was yeah
2: um, and
1: then to give you a little bit of history about my i think it was june of 2016 i guess i guess it's only been uh, It'll be three years this year. So two and a half years ago, I purchased a Greenbroke mule, which a Greenbroke mule is a mule that basically somebody has started to train but they're not trained. And I bought a Greenbroke mule, brought it home, started riding it, had some had some good experiences with it, but also had some negative experiences with it. Uh, I got it. The, the mule ran off with me a couple of times when I first got it which meant I was on its back riding it. The mule got spooked and just took off running like full throttle. Couldn't get it stopped. I mean, basically just out of control. That was the first time I'd always heard people talk about getting hurt on equine animals. And, you know, I knew not to get kicked. I mean, I know you could get hurt by getting kicked. I know you could get hurt by getting bucked off. But that first experience with the running mule made me realize how easily you could get hurt bad on a mule but i got her stopped and i consulted some a good horse trainer about what i should do and uh did that what he told me and it, it actually happened again it wasn't because of what he told me it was my fault that it happened again anyway long story short we actually had a pretty good relationship with ellie may the mule that I, I actually don't own anymore. But then in 2017, I got a young 18-month-old mule named, that we named Izzy. And uh, this Izzy is the mule that we've got right now. So Izzy's only three years old. She's a paint-colored mule, which uh, that means that she's she's like a paint horse. She's got white stocking feet, and she's got some white in different places on her, but she's pretty much red, Sorrel, and uh, I trained Izzy from scratch. I, she, had, all she'd had on her was a halter. She'd had her. Uh, she'd been handled just a little bit, but basically hadn't been handled much at all when I got her. And uh, and I and I, it's a long story. I won't go into all the training details, but basically, I. Uh, did some research and a lot of learning and had some great advice from some good good friends and train this mule. And I called the project, Project Honey Mule, and we videoed it, didn't we Bear? We did. Because we just needed we needed some content for the YouTube channel and I was training this mule, never done it before and I thought, hey, that'd be cool to just every week for the next six weeks put out a training video. Uh, not trying to teach somebody something but just trying to show them what i was doing i mean literally i was just looking for content and <clears throat> made this series of videos and david did you know that that episode six of project honey Mule on youtube has 800 over eight hundred thousand views wow almost a million views well maybe not almost a million 20 percent away from a million um yeah did you know that bear and people cuss your dad every day on there. And then some people think I did a good job. <laughs> oh, man, YouTube. But, um, do you, let's see, what I want to talk about too is why mules. Do you guys have any questions that you think people ought to know about using mules? You're getting in the backcountry, like relevant questions.
2: get a mule instead of
1: a horse. Okay, that's a good question. Why would you get a mule instead of a horse? Okay, so horses are much more readily available to mules, and to start off, a mule is a, is a cross between a female horse or a mare and a male donkey, which is a jack. So a jack and a mare breed to make a sterile hybrid, which is a mule and there's something that happens when you when you when you make a hybrid animal so you breed two different types of animals together but they're close enough to get together genetically that they can actually breed and produce offspring that you have something called hybrid vigor and the mule is the epitome of what they call hybrid vigor because there's a basically that's where you get a synergy that happens because of a cross a synergy would mean like a amplification of positive traits that are greater than the sum of the individuals in essence and so a mule what we would say is that a mule has a lot of the really great traits of the horse but it also has a lot of the really great traits of the donkey but doesn't have the bad traits of the donkey and doesn't have some of the bad traits of the horse and so what you get in a mule is you get an animal that is, has more strength and stamina than a horse. That's what they say anyway, and I know there's probably people that have examples where they weren't. But in general, a mule has more stamina than a horse. But the main thing that a mule has over a horse is it has more sure-footedness. The feet of a mule are typically smaller-hoofed and harder-hoofed like a donkey, and in rough, rocky terrain, a mule can pick through it with extreme uh, intentionality. And that's why that, you know, in the, in the Grand Canyon National Park, they, they don't ride horses down to the bottom. They ride mules. Um, mules are sure-footed. They're not going to fall over. Um, mules are... In the south, part of the reason they used mules for plowing and for a lot of work, on this very mountain that we're on, boys, did y'all know this? That they used mules to log this in the early 1900s, this very mountain, on this ridge, Gayron T, there were men that were up here logging, using mules to haul logs down. So mules, but in the South, mules uh, didn't need as much water as horses, and they had more stamina than horses, and they could tolerate the heat better than horses, okay? And so why do I use a mule? Partly because of safety. A mule will almost not... A a mule has a, a very strong ability to not get itself in danger. So, for instance, like my mule... When it gets tangled up in its lead rope, which it does sometimes, um, when it when it feels pressure up against it, it, it doesn't fight against that pressure and freak out like sometimes a horse could do. Um, a mule won't go someplace that it's going to hurt itself. And now that would be in contrast to what people would sometimes say about horses, is a well-trained horse would probably run off a cliff if you told it to. Um, and uh, but there's a lot of really positive traits about horses horses are faster horses are more comfortable horses are easier to train horses are more readily available and horses are uh, are are generally easier to get along with a mule does have that stubborn nature of a donkey which in the end is good because when you get a really I've heard some I've heard people say this and I believe it. When you have a good trained mule, you'll never go back to a horse. I, I'm not trying to step on horse people's feet, because there's tons of great mountain horses for doing exactly what we're doing that would easily do what we're doing here today. Baird, were you going to say something?
2: Uh, also, horses, you have to like feed them grain every day, and you have to like get shoes for them,
1: and exactly. that costs... So a mule is much more hardy than a horse. I mean, like basically, I feed my mules just regular old fescue and bermuda hay and very very little grain and they stay fit and healthy all year round um horses you gotta you gotta feed them more you gotta feed them more grain they're a little bit harder to take care of and shoeing them what about shoeing them there
2: you have to shoe them like once every eight weeks and a horse yeah and you have to if you can't do it by yourself, you have to like pay for somebody else to
1: do it. Yeah, you got to pay a farrier, and uh, anyway, we've we've never shoot any of our mules, and we ride them in this rough, rocky mountains, and they've never had any trouble with them. So mules are cheaper. You don't have to spend you know twelve hundred dollars a year on a farrier. You don't have to feed them as much. They're just easier to. Easier to maintain their fitness and health. And they're just sure footed in the mountains. And I just like them. I think that's the main reason people have mules is because they just like them. You know? I mean, it's like, why do you drive a Ford over a Chevy? Well, it's like a Chevy. You just like it. But, David, did, can you think of any good? Did you have a question? No, hey, how about this? Well, like, I know um,
3: you said that. Uh, Izzy was probably carrying, you know, 150 to 175 pounds. I mean, how much can they carry? That's a good question.
1: It all depends up upon how far you're you're taking them. Now, it's, she was carrying 175 pounds of our gear, but I've got a saddle that probably weighs 40 plus pounds, heavy saddle. So, so she was probably carrying 225 pounds of dead weight coming up here, and. She could probably carry, you wouldn't want to pack a whole lot more on her than that. And if we were going real far, like let's say we were in Montana and we were packing back in 15 miles through rough terrain, we wouldn't have packed her that heavy. Uh-huh. But for as short a pack as we had, which is really probably um, less than a mile, but but straight up a mountain, Um, We could have packed her probably a little bit heavier even. Mm -hmm. Um, But most of your packers are only wanting to pack about 150 pounds on an animal that they're going to take in very far. Um, But so mules are mules mules are readily available in the south. I helped a guy up north last year buy a mule because he was up in Michigan and wanted a mule and couldn't find one. But down in this part of the world, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, southeast Kansas, Tennessee, you're going to have a lot of mules because that's kind of historic mule country. But I have... I guess the biggest thing that I'll say... Is that if you're going to get into them, you can't, if you don't enjoy the process, it's just going to be a lot of work. Because it does add a layer of work. Like, yes, I was able to go up to the top of the mountain this morning with ease. Uh, You know, I climbed, I climbed about 1,500 feet of elevation today and got off my mule with fresh legs. Okay, So that's pretty good. That would have taken me at least an hour, probably an hour and a half, carrying a big heavy pack like I was today. So that's the beauty of it, is that you can get to where you hunt, and when you're there, you'll have fresh legs. But what you guys just woke up this morning, put on your hunting gear, and just left out from camp, it took me 15 minutes, 20 minutes of pretty hard work to get Izzy bridled up, saddle on, bags, you know, all the, everything. Just get, her, just get her ready to go. And then when I got up to where I wanted to hunt, I tied her up. And Izzy's done pretty good at staying, uh, staying tied without throwing a fit. Like every aspect of this is, is, is what you have to train this animal to do. And by training it, sometimes that means just going out and doing it. But, you know, some animals, when you tie them and leave them, might freak out and paw the ground and neigh and throw a fit and make a ruckus and try to break loose so izzy's really good i left izzy today for four or five hours at one stretch without going back to her came back to her and she was fine um i twice we've let izzy get away from us bear hadn't we yep well actually it was ellie may once tell us about that
2: ellie or Izzy?
1: well it was ellie may that got away from us you the first time we came up here do you remember?
2: Not a lot.
1: Well, it was it was on your birthday two years ago, and we hunted and we came back and Ellie wasn't there.
2: Oh yeah, and then you never went back up.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We we bear and I left Ellie Mae for six hours, and came back and she was gone, and she had chewed her lead rope. She had chewed. I didn't, that was something, that was new to me. Ellie had chewed her lead rope. And uh, we were camped on the side of the mountain, so we walked back to camp in the dark carrying a saddle because I'd taken the saddle off of her way up on top and uh, came down the mountain. And, uh, and interestingly enough, the closest the closest residence to where we were hunting was a bar and uh so i went to the bar late at night told bear i said son stay in this truck if anyone comes to the truck don't open the door and just duck yourself down and hide anyway i went into the to this bar and uh country bar late at night saturday night have you heard this story david
3: i, ha- I haven't heard this
1: i think i told this at church one time don't you, do you not remember that <laughs> and I'm And and anyway I go into the bar and I'm dressed in all camo and I mean every head in the place which there are probably 10 people in there turns to me and they see me walk up to the bar and what I'm gonna tell this woman is hey I lost my mule and if you hear anybody driving down this highway that pulls in here and says hey there's a mule or a horse up on the highway like I wanted her to call me I didn't know what was gonna happen anyway I I, as soon as the people saw me trying to get the waitress, the the bartender's attention, it was a woman. They all, every head in the place turned towards me. And uh, everybody went quiet. Everybody stopped their conversation and looked at me. And I go, and there's loud music playing, and so I'm yelling, and I say, I lost my mule. I lost my mule up on the mountain. If you see it, I'd like to leave my number, and you can call me if anybody pulls in here and says they saw a mule. And uh, and everybody, people were like, "Mule! You lost your mule? <laughs> You'll never find it." Yeah, it was it was great. Uh, so yeah, that happened, bear. And then the other time when we were tracking Rivers' bear up here, Izzy got away from us. Yep. And what I learned about these mules, two different mules did the exact same thing as they went back the direction that they came from, and we were able to catch them back, not right back at the truck, but basically en route to the truck, both mules we were able to catch hours later. But that's no fun. But, you know, hunting on mules has been extremely rewarding for me, but I've, I I have really enjoy riding in the mountains. And one of the biggest things for me is, as I've tried to decide is hunting on a mule where's your flashlight out there is hunting on a mule um, advantageous to killing game and uh, I haven't made that I haven't decided if it is or if it isn't <laughs> sometimes I think it'd be better if I just got out of the truck and just walked up the mountain and hunted but I can guarantee you one thing Bear the big buck that we found last year we would have never found because i jumped the buck while i was on the mule and i was back in a place i never would have been if i'd have been walking on foot and so i jumped this buck and then later came back in and hunted that deer and passed a few deer while i was hunting that one and that's when we started hanging cameras back in here bear trying to find these deer and so a mule just basically opens up more country to you it doesn't necessarily make anything easier. That's my assessment on it at this point. And uh, oh, I could I could talk and give a whole nother 30 minutes of commentary on uh, on how to buy a mule, what you're looking for. But I will say this: not every mule will carry game. I mean, um, Izzy Izzy will because I've I've gradually, over the course of training her, put game on her. Uh, the first thing I put on her was a coon. And that may sound like reasonable. You're like, well, yeah, throw a coon over your mule. That doesn't sound bad. But, man, equine animals are they're prey animals. They're designed to flee from danger. And they are skittish of almost everything unless you train them and expose them to that thing in safe situations where they realize that it won't hurt them. So by nature they're almost afraid of everything. So we've coon hunted off Izzy and put mules over the or, the or put excuse me coons over the saddle horn. That was the first thing. The second thing last year I turkey hunted on Izzy and killed a gobbler turkey and carried out the gobbler. Just put a piece of paracord between the turkey's feet. Put that paracord over the saddle horn and just came right off the mountain um we're going to come back to turkey hunting off a mule uh this year i've yet to kill a deer while i've been hunting back like this but this year when i killed when bear killed the deer a couple well months or month ago um i i basically exposed the mule to the carcass and uh and fed the mule with a carcass like laying at the laying at the mule's feet so the mule had to come over and eat grain right by this deer and got real used to it and so now i think if we killed the deer izzy would figure she was about to get some grain so she'd be happy and i eventually got the deer on her back and so izzy's pretty well mannered when it comes to game so i don't think we'd have any trouble with her now bear would be a totally different experience i've not exposed her to bear that smell because they do smell but that being said, now turkey hunting is a whole different story. Turkey hunting in the big national forest on muleback is the way to go. Because you ride the mule and just call right off her back. Like I don't even get off. I don't even get off her back. I just ride up this ridge calling. And when I hear a gobble, then just get off, tire up, and go hunt the turkey. Now the only negative thing is if you were calling like that and one gobbled like, 75 yards away I mean you'd have to just act quick and the and the mule might end up spooking the turkey but most of the time you're going to hear a turkey gobble further off and you're going to be able to either turn and ride away from the turkey does that make sense mm-hmm. like you hear a turkey gobble and it's 100 yards well then just turn dead away and ride back 50 60 yards get off tie the mule and then come back up to where you were call work the turkey or it just gets you back into good country like i ride last year i never heard a turkey while i was on izzy's back but i got into some good country way back in there tied her up and then went hunting on foot killed the turkey then used her to haul it all out so turkey hunting on mule back is big um but you know it's dangerous that's one negative about it uh my daughter river was if you listen to one of the first podcasts i talked in detail about a mule wreck that my daughter had back in october while we were bear hunting we used our mules to haul in bear bait to a secluded property that we couldn't take vehicles into and uh on the way down same deal. We we're using panniers bags that fall that lay over a saddle. On the way down, we took the pannier off, and River was just going to ride the mule down, and the mule got away from her. River lost her balance while ducking under a limb. River wasn't used to the mule she was on. Uh, the mule started to run down the mountain, and basically, the mule was loping down the mountain out of control with my 15-year-old daughter on her back. And uh river came off, busted her head had to get how many stitches did she have, David? I had I don't Do you know it was like ten or eight, I don't remember. It was a lot, I don't remember either.
2: She also got a concussion.
1: Yeah, she got a concussion. it was a bad deal. It was a it was a father fail, you know. Uh to this day. It was a, it was a mistake. I had a lot of faith in the mule and in river and still have faith in the mule and river, but it was a wasn't the best combination and
2: uh, <laughs> she also totaled Ellie
1: yeah River
2: she
3: sliced her eye open period.
1: River sliced her eye open a limb my, my daughter River's had a tough go at it with mules, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've made a couple of visits to the ER because of it
3: but she still likes them she loves them exactly yeah.
1: but I won't hardly let her ride them anymore <laughs> but no she a limb sliced her eyelid while she was on the mule and uh had to take her, she came back to the house, bleeding all down her face. It was pretty spooky um but i, I guess i'm I guess I'm saying some of the negative things to because I had kind of a romantic view of owning a mule in that it, it, I didn't think it was gonna be easy, but I guess I just didn't know how hard it was gonna be but but boys, this is where. This is where the story turns awesome. Because things that are really hard, that are difficult, that stretch you, that cause you to grow, that cause you to have to learn a totally new set of skills and test yourself, test your fear, are good. Because I one of the greatest accompli, external accomplishments, let me describe it like that, one of my most My favorite external accomplishments that I've ever done is training Izzy from scratch. And I mean, she's a good mule, man. She'll go where you point her. She'll do what you tell her. She'll cross water. She'll get in a a trailer. She'll let a hound ride on her back. Um, She's a a heck of a mule for a young mule. And I had to overcome a lot of fear. I had to overcome a lot of knowledge barriers. uh, I had to overcome a lot of limitations to do that. And so, the difficulty of it has actually made me into something stronger than what I was, and so just because it's hard doesn't mean you shouldn't do it
3: mm-hmm. and as a testament to that, uh I remember when you bought Izzy because I was there. you were there, weren't you? Yeah, and that was crazy that was she was absolutely out of control when that happened. but now I mean, we pack stuff on her and you know let her up the mountain, and she'll do. Exactly Like like you said Everything that you tell her to do Yeah
1: Yeah Yep Bear, you've never been in a mule wreck Have you? Nope
2: Nope Uh I once Well when we were riding Ellie one time And I kinda like turned her And she was on the back And he flew off <laughs> Oh Yeah <Broke's> arm. <laughs> Man we're telling
1: all these bad stories yeah, like the first two weeks we had a mule, it wasn't even the mule's fault. My son just fell off and broke his arm. We've had a pretty rough <laughs> go at it now that we start stacking up the casualties. And um, I had a pretty hard fall off Ellie Mae when I first got her. So it's not something that you you get into lightly, but it has, it has you know, I may, who knows what the future holds, but I doubt there'll ever be a time in my life where I don't have a mule. Uh, I mean, I love them. I really do. I, I enjoy riding them. Hunting these mountains is so much fun to cruise around on a mule. It's You got to be tough, but it's I love it. And hunting these mountains is different than hunting out west. These woods are thick. You're fighting limbs. You're fighting super steep hills. You're, uh, you know, it's mainly the limbs that make it difficult. But Alright, in closing, this is just supposed to be a short kind of a short podcast just talking about backcountry hunting with mules. Maybe at a later date we could talk about what we packed. But the the the, the biggest thing that is cool about this is like we could have all carried, you know, fifty pound packs. Yeah. And I walked in there.
2: Sixteen pound pack. We could have. Not 50.
1: But we are living like kings up here on the mountain, and and where we're hunting, we can't. We have to carry in all our own water because there's no water sources up high on these mountains that are that are predictable anyway. There's water now because it rained, yeah, but it yesterday, that <laughs> before that, there wasn't any water up here.
3: There probably won't be any tomorrow.
1: Yeah, so we have to carry water. So for three guys for three days, I mean, you know, you're talking. You need forty pounds of water or more. And so by, by, by having this mule, basically we're able to be real comfortable in the backcountry. have plenty of food, plenty of sleeping bags, plenty of tents and tarps. And for me, camera gear, because I'm, I'm filming a lot of these hunts and, uh, doing a lot of filming. So I got a ton of gear that most people don't have. And that's part of the reason I carry a, ride a mule. Closing thoughts, guys, closing thoughts. Mules for the win. Mules for the win. Mules for the win. This is your closing yep. comment. Uh,
2: one time, uh, Izzy let me get on her back while I was coming from a tree. What do you mean? Well, you tied her to a tree. I climbed the tree,
1: dropped down on her back. <laughs> when When was this?
2: Like, this summer.
1: Izzy or Ellie?
2: Izzy.
1: Izzy. All right, well, hey, hope you enjoyed uh, our fireside talk we uh we're sitting here on the side of the mountain and we're going to hunt tomorrow and uh but as of yet we've, we've we we had not killed a deer but such is this mountain hunting but thanks for listening to the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast do me a favor do all of us a favor consider subscribing to Bear Hunting Magazine the only print Bear Hunting Magazine in the world i think it's pretty awesome that for 20 years now, 20 years, Bear Hunting Magazine has been the only print all-bear hunting magazine in the world. And you know, you may say, well, I'm not that big a bear hunter, I don't really want to subscribe to the magazine. Well, by your subscription to the magazine, you're supporting a very complex, dynamic, and awesome aspect of North American big game hunting. And Bear Hunting Magazine kind of represents that sector of hunting. And so, you know, really, by subscribing to the magazine, you're, 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 you're feeding into media, whether it be our YouTube channel, our, our print magazine, our social media, that's promoting ethical, conservation-based, big-game predator hunting for bears. And so, check it out. We've also got lots of cool merchandise on our website. Check out our YouTube channel you might even if bear kills a big buck tomorrow you'll probably even see a video of it up on our channel but if he doesn't you'll never hear about it and this this hunt will be lost like smoke in the wind
2: but if David does you still won't hear about it
1: well if David does too yes (laughs) or if I do but hey it's a it's an honor guys to be able to hunt in a place like this in the year 2018 it's almost 2019 by the time people hear this will be 2019 for sure it's an honor a privilege that we have public lands that we can carry our firearms into pack our mules back in here put out our trail cameras and get pictures of nice bucks and be able to hunt so but we got to do what you boys have to do. What I have to do is keep the wild places wild. Because that's where the bears live.
2: And the deer. And the
1: squirrels. You didn't see a squirrel today? Well, bear did, and I believe that he saw a squirrel.
2: I saw a monster gray squirrel. I mean, like, it was a shooter for sure.
1: <laughs> we got to go to bed.